off top, if we never had leap years, today's day would actually be September 2nd, 2022. Wait a music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Fox Surf Show. What a great weekend of football. We are joined, mm. as we normally are on Mondays, by the great Bill Barnwell. thought you were going to say Charlie Kravitz. Huh? thought you were going to say Charlie Kravitz and set me up there to look good and then oh. flip it right to your good friend, your co-host, the man who makes the magic happen on the Dominique Fox Surf Show. I like show, this. That's all you and I both know that that he's he's not a magic maker. He's I don't know, Jim. I mean, you're you're the cute Pretty one. Good Romo. You are not the magic maker. You're like the I don't know. Like don't magic guys have like you gotta, land the, you gotta land the plane? No, <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. You're the cute assistant. You're like, calling me the Vanna White of this show? No, it's not Vanna White. She had a talent. She could turn things. <laughs> <It's> okay, <laughs> but she could. <laughs> That was definitely your talent. Um, okay, guys. We're, so let's talk some football. A lot of good ball. Um, we're recording this right after Chiefs Bills. Whew. What a game. Ended on a missed field goal by Tyler Bass. Get ready to learn Canadian, buddy. Uh, but the story of the game is drops Patrick Mahomes, another Houdini act to get through Buffalo and his magic bringing the Chiefs to a sixth consecutive AFC championship. Wait. Does it feel like Buffalo just blew their best chance to get through Kansas City? <sighs> I mean, it's hard to predict these things, obviously, but I think that Buffalo, we all recognize that the way that the roster was constructed, that this year was kind of the end of this first bit of a run where they're going to have to restructure some things. And then they lost most of the players that we were concerned about them losing, and they still were competitive. And even Stefan Diggs, whom I guess they didn't lose, but he kind of was like non-existent. Lost on, he lost on the game. Yeah, he was non-existent over the final stretch of the season. He dropped a deep ball in this game. And so so, like, I hesitate to say that this was their best chance because I thought that this team was not – or shouldn't have been competitive mm -hmm. considering the state of the team. And they still managed to be – I mean, they didn't really – all right, they lost the game, obviously. But this feels a lot like the 13-second game in that they played well enough and at least Josh Allen played well enough to, to win this game and they still lost it. That's – I think the disheartening part of this is that – the only way you could say this was not their best chance is if their best chance was in the 13-second game, <laughs> which, to be fair, probably was their best chance. But mm -hmm. if there was going to be a scenario where this version of the Bills, this team with this defense, with these guys, with the Von Millers and Jordan Poyers and the Micah Hydes, if it was going to happen, it kind of felt like this was going to be the Josh Allen performance that did it because I, I don't want to say... Josh Allen was perfect because he made a decision at the very end that was not perfect. But for about 57 minutes of this game, outside of the fumble, Josh Allen was about as perfect as a quarterback could be. I know that at the end of the game, in the 13-second game, Josh Allen was the best player I'd ever seen play football. But from start to finish, Josh Allen was so methodical in this game. He was so smart. He was making the right decisions with the football. He was running people over when he had to. And then after an entire game where the Chiefs had been daring Josh Allen to take that throw to try and hit them with that dagger on a downfield pass, 
Josh Allen finally took the bait on that second down where Stephon Diggs was running the drag. One of like the three times they called Stephon Diggs' name in this entire game. Mm-hmm. He was open. Would have been a short completion, maybe even a first down. Gets them closer to field goal range. Keeps them ahead of schedule. Burns off more of the clock. Josh Allen held the football, took his shot downfield, got hit in motion, missed the throw, another incompletion on third down, and then the Tyler Bass field goal that misses. So I I just think, like, you've now had two games where Josh Allen has been the best player on the field, and you've lost both of those games to Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes. The Chiefs are... I think they one of the I think they're the sixth youngest team in football. The Bills are one of the oldest teams in all of the National Football League. There's young talent here, but at the end of the day, if if it wasn't two, if it wasn't three years ago, if it wasn't this year, when is it going to be? Yeah, I think the only optimistic uh, way to look at this for the Bills is uh, the you never know what's going to happen, which is kind of where I was hinting towards is like we didn't expect this from them this year. Yeah, I didn't expect them this from them this year. And they ended up turning into a really impressive defense. And what I saw was a lot of the strength of the defense came from the replacements. Like the secondary was making a lot of plays that I had not anticipated. I expected that to be the problem. And so I didn't expect that. And so that's the best, the most optimistic view for them going forward in the future is they hit on some draft picks or they coach up some guys that they have and they play better or Josh Allen managed because the thing about Josh Allen in this game I thought that I wouldn't have used the the word perfect but because I did though yeah you did and and you were wrong it's okay we all players mess up because perfect I guess suggests to me that he made the big plays also which he made a lot of them but he did Stephon Jiggs dropped the big play yeah, well, he threw up sixty-five yards on a line over Stephon Diggs' shoulder. It hit him in both hands okay. while we the defensive ag- back is stumbling. We can agree this is—he was perfect. I think <laughs> arguing over that is irrelevant. I guess the point that I wanted to make about Josh Allen is this was the version of him mm-hmm. that we had been looking for, and where it's like, all right, they're going to coach him and design plays for him to take short, low risk plays and the big plays that he was creating were mostly with his legs and then we got to the end of the game and this is what we always talked about with Josh we're okay with you uncorking it but wait till we have to mm-hmm. and then he got to the point where he had to and he started ripping them and he was on target to Sherfield deep mm-hmm. down the field it was a tougher catch but he couldn't haul it in he was on target to Diggs tougher catch but he couldn't haul it in then he took that shot in the end zone that you were talking about where he missed yeah and that was the the one where Looked identical to the Gabe Davis play. Yeah, if you were perfect, you would have hit that. But that's the one where he was slightly imperfect. And I I think that's – the problem with that is you might need to go back to the old Josh Allen if this team is not going to be as talented, you know, (laughs) going forward, and the more volatile Josh Allen. So my my thing is just, like, if you you told Buffalo before this game that Kansas City was going to convert one-third down and Josh Allen was going to play this game – and the defense was going to hold tough where they could. You'd be like, all right, we're on to Baltimore. We're on to Baltimore. This isn't a great Chiefs team. They don't have great receivers. Right. We're getting our classic Mecole Hardman turnover where he, he just blows a red zone possession because that's what the Chiefs receivers do. And you're like, all right, we're good. What and a then to bad lose that- group. Have we ever yeah. had a, a unit on any team that's gone to a championship? That's, like There had to be some old lines that were this bad. I guess the, the I, Chiefs old line from a couple years ago was pretty yeah. bad. The- but I don't think they were this bad. 
They were injured, though. It wasn't yeah, like their, their starters were hurt. They were down to backups. These are the dudes. Like, McCall Harbin is the guy the Chiefs want in that situation because Kadarius Tony. Because Kadarius Tony's hurt, but, like, you don't trust Kadarius Tony in that situation oh, yeah. either. It would have gone back this, for this, six if it was Kadarius Tony. Oh. This reminds me of, I tweeted this out, like, the worst LeBron teams. Like, when you had LeBron and, like, Matthew Delvadova was the third best player on his team, that's what it feels like with Mahomes Ready, and, and the Chiefs wide receivers. And I love Delhi. No, no disrespect <laughs> to Delhi, but but get the idea. Dog. Um, so one of the things, and also this is to really dumb down the analysis, but does it just feel like the Bills just don't beat the Chiefs? Like after this, but they do. Like, <laughs> but that wouldn't they matter. do during the regular they season. They beat them in a regular season because Kadarius <laughs> over Tony and over was, again because Kadarius Tony was offside this past season. But yeah, um, yeah, that is quite a bit of dumbing down of the analysis but i get your point there is some what of a roadblock in this situation but i think there's is there a is there a history of some sort of curse when teams can't get past there has to be a curse when they kick wide right in major games multiple multiple times like that is who have they wronged in buffalo so they need to write whatever wrong they did they need to get it right because it's clearly something greater than just what's happening on the field for them to miss. I mean, Bass is a good kicker. It's a makeable kick. He misses wide right as Norwood, Scott Norwood did back mm-hmm. in the day. Like, this is this is real. Don't make those faces at me. Did you hear the noise that the crowd <laughs> yeah. made as that kick was going wide? That's not a noise you want to hear in any situation in your life. That's like... Any comparison I could make would be inappropriate for the Dominique Foxworth show. <laughs> that is a that just just the the groan, like the realization in real time. Oh no, this is what this is how it ends again. Mm-hmm. Just wrenching for me. Sure I, 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 I want to have an actual conversation about this game. I know we're talking about curses. This is this is the Dominique Foxworth show. The people expect more of us. Dominique OJ Simpson maybe, could be OJ Simpson. Maybe he's person. got a juice sure. curse. I believe the Scott Norrie play happened before the um, the case involving OJ, so might have been like a premature OJ curse. Fair, but fair, fair. the point I want to make about this, Dominique, is this. And Charlie, I want to know what you think as well. Do you think uh, Sean McDermott mismanaged the last six minutes of this game because the Bills were running every possible second off of the clock they could? They ran like four plays between the five-minute mark, and the two-minute warning. And pretty clear they wanted to leave no time on the clock for the Chiefs. And after the 13-second game, you could understand why, but came back to bite them when they could only stop the Chiefs for one first down and then that ended the game. I At the time, I didn't it, I didn't even think about it because I was like, they're just keeping the ball out of Mahomes' hand. They're really lucky to be in this situation. They could have been down 10 and basically been at checkmate a couple minutes before. I thought it was a conservative thing, and I was like, oh, Josh Allen's going to get them within the 20. They'll kick the field goal. They're going to overtime. Yeah, I I mean, I understand the strategy, but the strategy has to be, like, congruent throughout the Mm -hmm. the general manager to the head coach to the offensive coordinator to the quarterback. So, like, if this is your plan, don't take a shot at the end zone. So, like, that's the thing that didn't make sense to me was, like, okay, if I'm in this situation and I'm the – the uh the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm thinking we got to all out blitz because this team is not trying to score right now. We got to force them to either score this touchdown now or 
forced them back out of field goal range to make them uncomfortable. The Chiefs did not subscribe to that same logic and had Diggs running across in mm -hmm. the flat or uh, doing a drag wide open. And then Josh Allen took the shot at the end zone, which didn't make sense to me. It wasn't consistent with the way that it seemed that their coaching staff was managing that moment. I'll criticize the coaching staff for the fake punt to DeMar Hamlin. Bad call. Okay. Bad call, okay. Bills coaching staff. When when the we Bills agree? had that fake punt fail and then McCole Hardman fumbled through the end zone, I was like, Bills are winning this game. Oh, like gosh. that is the if they got away with that and they still managed to get the ball back without a score, this is gonna be their year. It hurt even more mm -hmm. after I had fully talked myself into it happening. <laughs> Yeah, that was bad. We're all proponents but, of the touchback rule, right? We don't have anybody here who thinks that's a bad rule. I'm pro. I'm pro touchback. Yeah, I'm pro touchback. I I I I have no strong feelings about it. But okay, like the thing people don't get, people were complaining. Oh, why did they just want to play with Josh Allen? The Bills ran that fake punt because the Chiefs had ten men on the field. I don't think they run the fake punt if it's not. Uh, if there's the Chiefs have 11 men on the field, because everything about how the Bills managed this game outside of the offense going forward on fourth and short was we're going to try to play a thoughtful conservative game. It's a thoughtful conservative quarterback. So do you, you can't, think you can't control Josh? That, that's not that, 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 that's not happening. There's no thoughtful conservative quarterback. You can feel him they like. Got, they got 57 minutes of controlling Josh, and then his inner Josh broke through. And I and I was fine with it. I could feel him getting restless, and it felt like so. <laughs> yeah, I, you kept I, saying that we're yeah, watching the game. I was game. like, he's getting restless. He's getting restless, and then he started pulling those deep shots and just trying to make it happen. Which, like, I understood because their offense was stagnant in the second half, and I was like rewatching some of the plays, trying to figure out what the Chiefs were doing differently yeah. to slow this down. They weren't doing anything differently. It's just the Bills' offense was not taking many chances, and they weren't in the second half. They weren't getting the plays that they needed the bigger plays the josh allen runs to get him in scoring position so like i feel josh at a certain point even yeah. if those plays didn't um weren't successful like, you have to remind the defense that you're willing to do it and you can throw it how far was that one throw to digs i felt like it was 90 yards in there it was 65 yards charlie that's charlie, it i believe mentioned it earlier i was just mistaken. i was guesstimating it was it was i think 65.2 yards oh. is the exact number i believe he's got a deep ball Dominique, the way you were describing Josh Allen and him getting restless is like the way a parent would describe a child who is throwing a tantrum because they haven't gone down for their nap yet. <laughs> I mean, were you watching the same game as me? I think that might be an <laughs> I, apt I, metaphor. <laughs> I, I, I don't have kids. I also didn't say you were wrong. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It felt like, felt judgy. But yeah, that's how I felt was yeah. he was on his best behavior for most of mm -hmm. church. And then the preacher want to extend church. Why are we still at church? You cannot expect, <laughs> expect this eight-year-old to sit still for two and a half hours of church. It's <laughs> over. Overtime. Let, oh, yeah. Overtime. Yeah. You, this, we're not, that's, not the, that's not the type of kid we got. We got a Josh Allen, and he going to have to cut that thing loose at some point. Let that stallion out the cage. Before, before we get to the chief side of this. Stallions don't go in cages. Stable. Stable. Um. Do you think do you think Diggs is on the is on the Bills next year? Hmm. I think this is the answer that no one's gonna like. I think he is going to be for cap reasons. Like they just hmm. gave him a new extension, so I don't think they can get out of it uh, very easily. But like, it's not as if they have a number one receiver in weight. Like Dalton Kincaid's a good player, but he's not gonna catch a hundred passes next year. I don't think is Diggs a number um, one receiver? Maybe not. But like, your best case scenario is probably. Getting him yeah, that's, back, that's... you know, in favor because there's not really an alternative. Kalisha Kier's not that guy. Gabe Davis certainly isn't that guy. 
Let's not do this. Stephon Diggs is the number one receiver. He had a few weeks in a row where he didn't put up big numbers. He's still a number one receiver. I think this is – he's not over the hill. He hasn't passed his prime. It didn't just happen like the beginning of the season. He wasn't, like, not a number one receiver. I don't think that midway through the season uh, he turned into not a number one receiver. When everything changed. Um, So, Sean McDermott, is he back with the Bills next year? Yes. I like. If you win six straight to win the division, you yeah. win a home playoff game, you're the two seed, you come within a field goal of, you know, pushing the Chiefs to overtime, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess I I would say abs- Even with the leaks. Yeah. That were Yeah, yeah. I would say absolutely. Um, because of the things that Bill has said and because what do you want to get better? So he changed the coordinators on offense and defense, and this defense overperformed considering the injuries and the issues on defense. The offense became a more manageable unit, which is what you want to win, and they learn how to run the ball late in the season. All these things are the things that you wanted to happen, and he was the driving force behind making these things happen. So, yes. And also, what is the thing that you expect to change? You want to get past the Chiefs. Did anything that McDermott do stop you from getting past the Chiefs? Like, it felt like he and his staff prepared for that game the best way they could. They managed the game as well as you could be expected. Uh, of course, there are some things that we can nitpick, but, like, I didn't feel like they left left this game wholly unprepared or with ridiculous, rash decisions that cost them the game. So if you're saying that a different coach would have made that field goal go in or a different coach would have allowed Josh Allen to hit that um, that post in the end zone or to throw it to Diggs, then maybe we have something to talk about. Maybe a different coach doesn't run the fake. I, I mean, I don't know what you're looking for in a new coach other than to overachieve with the unit that he has. The sloppier team in this game pretty considerably was the Kansas City Chiefs. Like right. They're the ones who fumbled through the end zone. They're the ones who... Um, you know, made more mental mistakes than the Bills did. They just overcame it because they have Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes was more consistent, shall we say, than Josh Allen in this game. I also was I was shocked with how um, vanilla. There were a couple wrinkles that the Chiefs had on defense. I was shocked, especially coming off of what they did last week against the Dolphins, where there was a lot of disguise. And I guess it it matters to who you're playing, how you think that it'll impact that that group, but I guess, or that quarterback specifically, but I, yeah, I was just surprised we came to this game and they were just very vanilla with what they attacked Josh Allen and Josh Allen was vanilla back with them. And the way that they, and and the first time they played, I remember watching and Mina and I talked about this last week, how the bills took advantage of the chiefs blitz. And maybe that's part of the reason why the chiefs didn't blitz that much, but when they did blitz, they went with the four by one attack as they did last year, and the Chiefs were ready for it. So as sloppy as they were in some points, their defense was on on point for much of the game. Yeah, but the, I think the Bills mitigated that. Like they came out, and they came out with six OL a bunch of times, and that forces the Chiefs to match. Right, you can't play, you know, your nickel can't play dime against six offensive linemen on the field, and the Bills were in third and short pretty much all game. They were either not getting the third down, or they weren't getting into third and long. And so, you know, I think it was tougher to kind of dial up those crazy exotic pressures, and then you lose Willie Gay. You lost um, Mike Edwards, right, early in the game to a concussion. So you lost two players who were going to be, you know, on the field in those situations. That That's going to compromise, I think, your ability to do a lot of exotic stuff. So kind of felt like the defense was hanging on for dear life. Yeah. But 
they got there at the end. Can we show some love to MVS? Just was, a yeah, bit. oh yeah. Okay. Was not just doing wind sprints today. MVS. Was he? He, he made a contested catch. He oh, was, he, wow. He, he didn't just get his cardio in for 60 minutes. So for, claps for you, MVS. Great okay. job. Um, for a second, I thought he was getting good hands. I was shocked. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. We, dev, we wouldn't go that far. You Never. Have to have, Bill, have, you take that back. You have to have two Two tugs. I officially retract uh, 200 uh, yards. The possibility of MVS being. I have to admit, MVS paid me. Ben mm-hmm. me to ask that, so I, I apologize. He's stolen a lot of money, so the glad name, he's giving it back. Before we move on, the name that we have. He hasn't stolen any money. Stop it. <laughs> the name we haven't said that I think we should bring up before we move on is Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, I was about to ask about the Chiefs yeah. offense in total. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it's an element to this offense that uh, feels like single-handedly makes them not soft <laughs> you know like it's just one man who who runs like his life depends on every snap it's really uh imposing for a defense and I think it does add some character to this Chiefs offense that I'm not sure that they have elsewhere and it takes pressure off of um Patrick Mahomes when you can hand it to him occasionally on first down and he'll get you second and eight like it's nice it'll get you it, it, or he'll get you 12 yards. Like, that's a real nice wrinkle to have that uh, I'm not sure very many Patrick Mahomes teams have had to depend on at any point. And they clearly have it with him. And no matter how the blocking is, it seems that he's going to uh, overperform the expectations of the play. It's like back in the day when, like, a really handsome person would get a tattoo and you'd be like, wow, he's edgy. That's what it sounds like you're saying with Pacheco. Like, he he's a – he, he – fundamentally changes the way they play on offense you're absolutely correct i'm making fun of you a little bit but you're right and mm. and it feels like that was what they had to lead into to win this game right like they had kelsey on some corner routes they had it felt like rashi rice would make a catch and then immediately leave for three plays mm-hmm. and then come back every single time um but they needed pacheco to win this game they needed you know to run out of 12 personnel out of 13 personnel to throw out of those situations like they both these teams tried to win this game by getting bigger. The Bills did it with six OL. The Chiefs did it with two or three tight ends. And I think the Chiefs were more successful doing it because they had, not that James Cook played poorly, but they had a back in Isaiah Pacheco who was going to make more people miss with his physicality or, be, or run through people with his physicality. So do you think the Chiefs offense is demonstrably different than it was during the middle of the season when it was struggling? Because it feels like they were able to move the ball much better this week. And obviously it's hard to say after the Dolphins game because of the weather and the opponent. But moving forward, do you feel like this unit has started to figure it out? Not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still terrible in the red zone. Like they were 2-6, I believe, last week against the Dolphins. Don't have the number in front of me, but they were not great this week in the red zone. Um, Makes me I, I think they were always going to lean on they're, you know, they're two tight end sets, leaning more on Kelsey, giving him more snaps maybe than he had during the regular season. They were going to shrink the offense and have it be more around their three top playmakers. But I I, I never really doubted that they would figure it out. Like, they're not going to be the offense they were at their best the past couple of years. I don't think that's in the cards one way or another. But, like, the functional ability to move the ball, the Chiefs have always had that. It's just been... Are they going to have drops and fumbles and sloppy play get in the way? Yeah, they definitely haven't figured it out for on the Chiefs scale. This is not a yeah. Chiefs um, caliber offense, but it's a functional NFL offense, uh, above average NFL offense in certain situations. And you always have Patrick Mahomes able to buy time. And he didn't get those big first down runs that we've become accustomed to him getting in these big time games. But he still found ways to to buy time to make get people open and deliver it in those big situations. I'm not sure if uh, he approaches these games any differently. But 
Yeah, I, I wasn't worried about that, but I, I think they got a tough matchup coming up here yeah, soon. We'll get we'll get there. All right, let's uh let's hop over to the NFC from last night. We're we're we're, we're bopping around games. Yeah, we're we're oh we're bopping around games and conferences. The, actually, we're just honestly we're going down a list of games I found most interesting to right, interesting I, I, over I, the course of the I, weekend. I, I, I found the the um Ravens game more interesting, but we'll get to it eventually. Oh, let's go Forty Nineers. I, an astute football observer, actually mm. found the most boring game of the weekend <laughs> quite interesting. Come okay, on. we'll get to it. We'll get it. We'll tease them. See if I can yeah. sell the people on the most boring game being the most interesting. <laughs> now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical Fruit finished, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So the second, the other game I thought was most interesting was the 49ers and the Packers. Mm. 49ers had been a juggernaut most of the season. They did not seem like a juggernaut in that game. I think it is fair to say uh, the offense and the defense struggled and probably the Packers were the better team. The, the Packers probably should have won that game. Coming out of it, the 49ers, I mean, is it that big of a hot take? Yeah. Um, how much more vulnerable do you think the 49ers are after their performance against the Packers this weekend? Yeah, the 49ers are vulnerable. The Debo injury hurts them quite a bit. I think we saw one thing that was encouraging is we saw that, I guess, the the thing looming over Purdy and also Kyle Shanahan is ability to have comeback wins. We saw that happen. But how they got in that situation was not pretty, yeah. and that was the more concerning part. So with Debo out of that game and with Christian obviously dealing with something, we always have kind of understood that this offense is built on their unique players. Like their unique players and the flexibility that it extends them is really what makes this offense tough to stop. And with those guys not able to impact the game, and Christian still had a couple big runs, but for the most part, like his success rate wasn't as high as as his final stats, I think, would suggest so I think that impacts their team going forward so yeah they're they're not the juggernaut that they were at one point in this season but uh I don't know I wouldn't go as far as to say that the the uh Packers are better no not better I mean they in, that, won that, in that specific game but also clear. it also was a rainstorm yeah and like it just but that's been real. like you know they had a chance to go up 11 with like five minutes left driving down the field with the I mean there's plenty of room for criticism yeah. let the the great Bill Barnwell come in and tell us who's right I to my I, I'm I'm a little confused. Did, were they both playing in the same rainstorm? Because sure looked like Jordan Love was a even though he threw two interceptions Anti-Man. was a hell of a lot better in that game than Brock Purdy. The difference, of course, was that the Niners were smart and caught 
uh, Jordan Love's interceptions, whereas the Packers, uh, they just decided to drop him. Just leave him on the ground. We'll worry about it later. Um, I, I, There's a lot of things I want to talk about from this game. The thing that comes to mind for me, though, first, Dominique, what were you thinking when you saw Drake Inlaw running around with that interception? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Said, go, pitch it. Pitch it. Score. <laughs> Score. Let's do this. Let's do this. That's that's what I was hoping to hear. I, I felt like if there was anybody out there who was not like, go down, go down, I assumed it would be you. So I appreciate that. I that's don't fun. think, you know what? It is fun. I, I've never gotten an NFL interception. I know someone who does. I would assume it's probably pretty fun to run with it. I would not want to go down. So I'm, I'm not going to fault Drake Greenlaw. I, the thing about this offense that, that, Dominique brought up is true. I think they had Depot Samuel be a big part of this offense. You even saw the first play of the third quarter, which I assume is scripted before the game. Kyle Shanahan did not have Debo Samuel. He had Juwan Jennings playing the Debo Samuel role, and he was just like, it. we're just still going to run that same inside zone with Juwan Jennings. He's not Debo, but it'll probably work. It didn't work. Uh, like, it didn't feel like they made the adjustments that I would expect a Kyle Shanahan offense to make as quickly as they did. But even beyond that, there were open receivers throughout this game for the Niners. It wasn't that the Packers were stifling the Niners receivers. Brock Purdy just missed Mm -hmm. a lot of throws throughout this game. He missed high. He missed short. He was late getting to places. He was panicking at times. His footwork got choppy. His arm was not great with the weather conditions. Ball was slipping out of his hand. He was using a glove. Then he wasn't using a glove. Like, the idea that the Niners were broken because of Debo Samuel, I don't agree with. They were they were harmed, for sure. But if they have Jordan Love, I think that they win this game comfortably. And if the Packers have Brock Purdy, even though Brock Purdy played well at the end, I don't think the Packers come close to winning this game. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think the, the, the big thing that jumps out to me is their level of this defense, too. Is mm-hmm. It felt like in the past few years, we always got hung up on how good their offense was, but we didn't appreciate how great their defense was for creating turnovers, short fields, and keeping them in games when their offense was struggling. And they aren't that anymore. And mm-hmm. it's probably part that Jordan Love is really good, but it's also like if you look at them through the course of this season, they aren't the dominant defense that they were. They go after Chase Young, and you expect that because the pre- their their defense is predicated on their front being dominant. Mm-hmm. Everything else falls into place that their front can be dominant. They are not, and they were getting they had soft edges, which is concerning when their best players are edge players. But I guess they're edge players who are pass rushers, but they're running on the edge of them. That's a concerning part for me more than the offense because the offense is kind of what it is and. The the kind of high-risk proposition when you go into this 49ers Kyle Shanahan-style offense with these special players is when you lose one of the special players, as you pointed out, they aren't normal, so you don't have a real backup for them. So, like, you mm-hmm. actually literally lose part of your playbook where you just can't do that because you don't have a player who will force them to be in nickel because he's out there and then you can do uh, ISO with him in the backfield. And the same thing with Christian. Even though he was out there, there are things that you can't do um, with him if you line him up in a slot and let him get busy in a slot. Like, there are lots of things about this offense that change when their players are not at full Full strength, and it seemed clear to me that as great as Kittle has been, uh, and as good as Ayuk is at times, 
the guys are Debo mm-hmm. and Christian McCaffrey. Like, those are the two guys. And those also happen to be the two guys, one who was out and one who seemed to be having something going on with his calf that do we, are inhibited. Do we think that trainer, his full-time job during this game was just working on Christian McCaffrey's calf? I hope so. <laughs> I mean, an, is there anything else that he could have been doing? I mean, uh, in the course of a game, the trainers are like the head trainer and like the assistant trainer, like they're on watch waiting for something to happen. And then everyone else in the training room, there's a bunch of other people in the training room. They're the people who have the water. Like they're the people who are walking around with um, the Gatorade to things. So, yes, if there is anything that you could devote him to that's more impactful, yes, be a dedicated Christian McCaffrey uh, calf massage. You think like Ray Ray McLeod's walking over, being like, "My hamstrings bugging me," and like, "Nope, the, the, the Chris, Christian McCaffrey, no, not me." Sorry, go yeah. get go get the other dude to stretch you. Strength coach, that's what the strength coaches do. They out there for stretching. Go holla at them. I love that. That was such a great shot, and you know, like like. That that guy, I, I'm sorry, I don't know his name. He's not on TV very often. Like his parents called. They're like, "Oh, we saw you on TV." Yeah, I was massaging Christian's leg. He, I mean, looked looked impressive enough to me. I mean, yes. good, good good that he was doing a good job. But I do think this offense is concerning if Christian McCaffrey's on 100. percent And everything we heard during the bye week was like, "Oh, Christian's fine. He's great. He could have played Week 18." I'm a little concerned. Did have that one nice run for a touchdown, though. Did yeah. make Darnell Savage look bad. Yeah, that was bad. He got to fill a hole. Um, and then uh, what'd you call it? Simone's husband had another situation Jonathan where Christian, Christian, Christian was in the hole, and and he uh, came in there too. That's the thing is when you have a player like this. I learned this lesson the hard way with um, Ladanian Tomlinson. Is mm-hmm. shoot, don't break down. Mm-hmm. Shoot. When you got them in the alley, you shoot, you run full speed, and you throw your body at them. Because once you break down, they're going to make you look silly. I, I think Jonathan Owens was still recovering from getting shoved down by Trent Williams earlier in the game. Yeah, that was a great play, great acting by Owens right there. Love it. Draw that foul. 15 yards to 15 yards. You take it. Other, other team in the NFC. Really going to put the Ravens game last. <laughs> the okay. Detroit Lions. Wow. Outrageous. Um, you, Dominique Foxworth. That's me. Refer to the Detroit Lions as an unserious outfit. I did. Have the Lions' playoff performances changed the way that you think about this team? Absolutely. They are a serious outfit now. I mean, I, I, I proclaimed them a serious outfit last week. Uh, they've gotten to it a different way. The defense is playing better, and they're blitzing more and getting more pressure. My concern hasn't changed. It's that they, were, uh, they didn't have a legitimate pass rush, so they're going to have to blitz and then – you expose your secondary players, which are weak, your corners in particular, which are weak by blitzing. And I just didn't think you could survive a whole run in the playoffs that way. They've been fortunate because this year, the playoffs in the NFC, you're not looking at a, a bunch of world beaters at quarterback. And um, while Baker Mayfield had some throws in there that I yeah. thought were incredible and he played well, it's not the same situation. But I feel like I'm taking away from the, the defense. The defense also actually plays has been playing well. And or better above their heads in these situations. So yeah, they are a serious outfit. Across from, I mean, opposite uh, Aiden Hutchinson, they're finding ways to create consistent pressure. And and also, um, Jared Goff's great, man. At times. What? When he's not when he's not throwing a interception directly into uh, Jamel Dean's hands on the second drive of the game in the end zone and having Dean drop it. Jared Goff is phenomenal. Every, everybody, everybody threw one into the other team this week. Everybody did it. Even the good quarterbacks threw one at the other team at some point this week. Mahomes, I don't know if Mahomes hit anybody in the face with the ball. Mahomes maybe didn't. Yeah, just Josh hit McDuffie. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh hit McDuffie in the face with the ball. Like, it happens through the course of a game. When you're taking shots down the field, you're going to hit people in the face with it every now and then. Just put a little extra spin on it so they call can't catch a, it. Call that one a Dak. <laughs> hit him a slider. Hit him with the slider. I, I thought Jared Goff was good in this game. You know, this was a bad matchup on paper, right? You have the Bucks who Todd Bowles is going to bring you heat. He's going to bring exotic blitzes. He's going to bring guys off the edge. There's going to be unblocked rushers. Jared Goff, uh, I think his QBR is worse than Mac Jones. When he's pressured this year, he's number one in the NFL unpressured. Like he didn't have to be great when he was pressured to win this game, but he couldn't be the guy we saw against the Packers where he turned the ball over two or three times. And yes, I'm going to say this again, despite Dominic's claims, he was lucky to avoid throwing an interception in the end zone on the second drive of the game. But otherwise, Jared Goff was fine against Mm -hmm. pressure in this game. He wasn't phenomenal, but he did enough where the Jared Goff, who was great when he's not pressured, also showed up and... When this game got close in the second half, Jared Goff had like a three-drive stretch where he was unconscious. He right. was hitting That's... every single throw, and the Lions were averaging like 15 yards of play, it seemed like. And, uh, of course, I'm grading a bit on the curve. I don't think that I react this way, saying that it was great if it was someone else that I have higher expectations for. But this was really good for Jared Goff when they needed those situations. When they needed those plays in those situations, he made throws. And there were a couple of throws in that game that were just impressive throws that would not have been completions. They weren't just like Jared not crumbling in pressure situations or Jared not turning the ball over or getting away, getting lucky with an interception, which he did, or avoiding an interception, which he did. But there were throws that Jared Goff made in big time moments that I don't know, not every quarterback can do. So he deserves credit for that. And I want I mean, Purdy didn't make all those throws in the Niners game, frankly. He, he made a couple of really yeah, nice ones. He had a two, at the end. two really nice no ones in the last drive. Um, I mean, I will say Goff did sort of, he gave them the two touchdown lead with touchdown pass to St. Brown. He took him down at, at the end of the yeah. game. So great. Like great. I said, also, I will say you said they didn't beat any world beaters at quarterback in the NFC playoffs so far. They yeah. did. Matt, Stafford, was, Matt Stafford was playing really, really Matt well. Matt Stafford beats worlds. You're right. Apologies um, to Matt Stafford. I do have. I have a crazy question beat to a ask lot of you worlds. guys. All the worlds oh, have been no. beaten by Matt Stafford. He won the world championship. He did. But, right. So next week they play the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners oh. are seven point fl- favorites already. If I were to say to you that of these two coaches, who would you rather have as your coach in a playoff game, Dan Campbell or Kyle Shanahan? Would it be crazy if I said that I would rather have Dan Campbell as my coach? I don't, I'm not going to let you get away with asking the question. I, so what's your argument for Dan Campbell? Well, mm-hmm. that um, Kyle Shanahan puckers up in the playoffs, and at least you know that Dan Campbell is going to be like ultra-aggressive and let it rip. You're going to go down in like a ball of flame and glory. <laughs> <laughs> so you think you think Dan Campbell gives you a better chance to win? Motivator, manager, aggression. <laughs> you're, not MMA, answer, you're not gonna Dan answer Campbell. <laughs> How did we end up there? You didn't answer the question. You just said words. <laughs> you, just came, you just just branded Dan Campbell. Yeah, I said you think you give you a better chance to win, and you said MMA. <laughs> I was, um, I was on the fly. I was proud of myself. Yeah, I, no, no, no. It was great. I loved it. Um, yeah. Mm, ooh, yeah. The fact I have to think about it is kind of like shocking, impressive. right? The, the the what Dan Campbell has accomplished. I guess both of them don't really have the quarterback that would make you like feel yeah. a whole bunch of trust in either of them. But I think I. 
because of that fact, I might go Kyle Shanahan because I feel more confident that he is going to uh, manufacture. We're assuming equal rosters. You give them the same. We're not saying Lions versus. Right. We're saying if I have a team, which coach do I think elevates my team more than the other? And I think I go Kyle Shanahan simply off the fact that no matter if I have a great quarterback, he's going to make them good. If I have a bad quarterback, he's going to make them good. If I have a good quarterback, he's going to make them good. And I know Kyle Shanahan can give me that. You know what I'm going to do, Charlie? I'm going to I'm going to bring something back here from earlier in the season on the Dominique Foxworth show. Uh-oh. I'm going to say it with my chest. Yes. Let's go. I would, pick, I would pick Dan Campbell <laughs> in this scenario. I don't know that the Niners are going to lose to the Lions because of the difference here. Yep. But I do think that once this game starts, the Lions are going to be in much better shape because they have a coach who trusts and believes in his players. Mm-hmm. And everything Kyle Shanahan did in that game until he had no choice will show that he did not want to turn the ball over to his defense, did not trust his defense to come up with a stop, did not trust his offense to move the ball. He has done this with multiple teams in multiple seasons. It's He's gotten away with it in games. It's come back to haunt him in games with the... Uh, the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl at the end of the first half is a very clear example. I brought up thinking about this game, but this is a consistent trend with Kyle Shanahan. On the first three downs of the, of the game, first three downs of the series, he is the scariest coach with the best playmakers we've ever seen. And on fourth down, Kyle Shanahan's like, oh shit, what if we don't get it? Like it, it I, I don't I don't understand what changes with Kyle Shanahan. But what I do understand is Dan Campbell. Trust, whether it's whether you believe he trusts the numbers, I think he's probably listening a little bit to the numbers, but whether it's trusting his offense, whether it's playing to his team's strengths, whether it's having a gut that is aligned with win expectancy, whatever it is, Dan Campbell very clearly trusts his players and is not going to shrink or call the game differently because it's a meaningful game. Yeah, and I I mean, that I, seems really important to me. That was awesome. I can't. Um, dispute chess saying so I will I won't push back against that but I will say that I think some of the Kyle Shanahan decisions are needed because of the quarterbacks that he's had in these situations so like what you said he does not trust his his quarterback or he doesn't trust his defense we just went through the fact that his defense isn't what it once was and we all recognize that the quarterback isn't uh uh, on the elite level of quarterback. So maybe we see a different Kyle Shanahan in a system with a different quarterback. But I also think that this speaks to both of their philosophies being different. And maybe this is about us. This is a, a Warshak test of us telling what philosophy we're more comfortable with. And I think that uh, Kyle Shanahan doesn't really like third down. So he really doesn't like fourth down. And I think <laughs> the way that he approaches the game is like, my best trickiest shit, I'm going to show you on first or second down. Mm-hmm. Oh, it didn't work? All right, let's try to convert this third down. Oh, that didn't work? I don't got nothing for fourth down. Like, that's the, I don't even expect to get the third down. We're at fourth down. <laughs> I play Canadian football. And so, uh, while we always say that, like, the analytics tell us to do this, we also always are concerned about what the play is called in a situation. And if he don't got no good plays, don't call him. Maybe he need to come up with some. But I, I think maybe generally I'm a little bit more cautious than um, – and uh, Bill, he's a wild this is, man. This is a, a Bill Barnwell show, Maxim. 
it, it, it's about Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. To me, if you're a coach and you got those dudes, doesn't matter. Just Fair. dial it up. You got those dudes. Just get it to them. And I, 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 I agree with you that clearly Kyle Shanahan is being realistic about Brock Purdy's limitations, but it, it ain't like Jared Goff is, you know, Patrick Mahomes out here. Like Jared Goff has limitations. It, Sean McVay was very conservative when he had Jared Goff as his quarterback because he did not want to put Jared Goff in those situations. Did not want to put a defense with Aaron prime Aaron Donald in those situations. To me, I think it's more about a philosophy, philosophy of yeah. how those guys screwed up. Uh, uh, they were all, you know, related to former coaches. They're very like they're incredible schemers. They're incredible playmakers. But traditionalists like Dan Campbell is an outsider. Dan Campbell is a guy who he played, but like Dan Campbell has formulated his own ideas about how to win football games. And it turns out his ideas seem to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. He's a player. He still is mentally, mentality wise is I think that that is the, the logic that most players go into the game with is like, let us try to win this game. And I think the, the manager types who haven't been players in that level and kind of always have grown up knowing that he was going to be a coach and Kyle Shanahan is looking to have more control and, uh, and going for it on fourth down, I think probably feels like he's losing some more control. But anyway, it also just feels like he's like the per Dan Campbell's the perfect coach for an underdog. He's like, we're not going to win field goals. Yes. Like it's it's like it's like a mid major in the NCAA tournament. Like we got to take fifty threes this game. We got to make a bunch <laughs> of us to give us a chance to overcome the the talent gap. Um, and that feels like Dan Campbell can keep them in any game doing that stuff. Aaron so, Glenn did a great job. Aaron Johnson, Glenn did a great Glenn, job. Both excellent. Dom Dominique Charlie. Any faith the Lions beat the Niners next week? No. Um, I, I'm going to stick with my 49ers. Um, Charlie and you are the ones who seem to be up on the Lions. I've come very far by saying that they are a serious outfit. I'm not ready to say that they are going to represent the NFC in the um, Super Bowl. All it took was two playoff victories and, like, what, a 12-win season for you to decide they were a serious football team? Yep. Serious outfit, not a football team. Outfit. Football outfit is above football team. I always thought they were a serious football team. I did not believe they were a serious outfit. Uh, if, now they've if, advanced the outfit. If the Lions win the NFC Championship game and we're going to be in Vegas, will you dress as a cowardly lion for the Super Bowl? <laughs> um, no. Please? Why? Content? <laughs> What's cowardly about? I mean, it's, it's not a, even Wizard of consistent. Oz. It's actually just a the cowardly. No, lion. I know, but it's not because. Why can't I just be a lion? I don't know. I don't have to be coward. cowardly. I wasn't. I'm not a coward. I called them an unserious outfit. Said it with my chest, and now so I also, brave. in an uncowardly way, have stepped down and said I was wrong. <laughs> Being a coward, coward for not wanting to dress like a cowardly lion. No, I, I would like to be a brave lion. I would consider being a brave lion. I might wear a mane. Okay, That's it. I'll settle for a mane. Um, all right, let's, uh, thank you for your bravery. You're let's, welcome. Thank let's you. Move yeah. on to the I appreciate, I appreciate being acknowledged for my bravery. Um, now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. So finally, they, 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 okay, the Ravens played the Texans. They were a tiny bit tight in the first half. Uh, we went to halftime. Tiny bit tight in the first half. Uh, well, the defense was flying around. There was a couple of tense moments. We got some tense text messages from... Dominique was in the stands watching this game. Um, 10-10 at halftime. They came out and blew the Texans out in the second half. It looked like the team we had seen all year. The defense was so fast, so good. Lamar was excellent. The Ravens' offense was excellent. They have a ton of weapons. To you guys, does it just feel like the Ravens are cut above everyone else? Um, Yeah, it's unfair, I think, coming off of the recency bias of this weekend because they were the most impressive team this weekend. But the answer to me is yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm dealing with recency bias, but what we saw in that game, or at least what I saw in that game, was uh, the value of having two really good coordinators and the value of having really smart uh, and disciplined players. That's the thing that always jumps out to me on this team, both offensively and defensively. And I think Lamar Jackson running with the ball is probably the best example of like the cautious, almost surgical way that he runs through the defense. And it's very like, it's very much the opposite of what we say about Josh Allen. When Josh Allen is like, I'm going to win the game right now. It feels like, um, Lamar Jackson is more like, all right, I need this. I need to get here. We'll do this right now. This is the situation. And it just feels like in control and like he's making decisions. And the same thing is Very true. Very brave of you to make that noise on air. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing is true of the defense where to have that perfect balance. And I, I mentioned this to you earlier, Charlie, that they are fast and physical and aggressive and somehow managed to still be incredibly disciplined in that situation. So when you have a fast, physical, aggressive defense, the type of plays that will have success like against the Browns last week is throwbacks, screens. Uh, and we saw them try that against the Ravens where they even tried a double reverse back to a screen. And somehow this fast, aggressive defense was there. They tried the fake screen right, fake screen left, middle screen to the tight end. And guess what? Can't fool Kyle Hamilton. He's still right there. And to have players that are that physical and that aggressive and still can't be fooled, it just feels like their defense um, It's like, I can't say they're without weakness, but they're very hard to exploit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the offense also adjusted as the game went on, right? Like, yep. Lamar had three early scrambles against four-man rushes, and D'Amico Ryans was like, nope. We are good. Screw that. We are blitzing Lamar Jackson every single time. They blitzed him like 69% of the time in this game, I believe. If you look at the top 15, it's like all Giants games, all Bucks games. Who's the one other team that blitzes a ton in the NFL? There's like one other team that blitzes oh, a ton. Oh, the Vikings? The Vikings. It was Giants, Bucks, and Vikings like for 14 of the 15 highest blitz rates in a game all year. And the Texans, who blitzed like 21% of the time during the regular season, which is way below league average. Blitz 69% of the time in this game because they were not going to let Lamar beat them with the four-man rush. They were going to trust their guys in coverage. They were going to trust um, Derek Stingley against Safe Flowers. They were going to trust um, that they would contain Lamar in the pocket with their rushes. And then Christian Harris, who was awesome in the first half, was going to make a play. And you saw 
at halftime, the Ravens adjusted. They started, you know, running pick plays, started running more RPOs, throwing into the flat, getting Lamar, you know, out uh, out of the pocket more often. And the Texans, they had a plan B. They did not have a plan C because that wore them down. And in the fourth quarter, when the Ravens got a lead, they were able to just run the ball all over a tired Texans team. So yeah. I don't know if that happens. They were blowing Roman. They were blowing them off the ball at the end of the game, yes. like yeah. three and yes. four yards before they even got to the line of scrimmage. But early in the game, like I was watching and it seemed to me from the stands like Lamar was nervous. And then I went home and rewatched the game and like, no, their scheme wasn't working. Like there was nobody open for him to throw it to. It seemed like I, I was I was watching the game thinking like, man, Lamar is scared to throw a pick. He's like double clutching, holding on to it. And there are answers there. And then you watch the game and there aren't answers there. And that speaks to the adjustment. And it also speaks to Lamar being special because they were not garbage. There were no answers there. And he was making things still happen, but it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't explosive, but he also wasn't forcing uh, to make those turnovers. And then they come out of halftime, and it's like four quick passes in a row. He's like, all right, I can do this too. Sit in the pocket, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. And then they advance from ska that band. to – what's that? It's like a ska band over on that oh, side of the – What's a ska band? To America's – I don't know. What's yeah, a ska band? I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you after the show. Okay, right, cool. So that he's picking up the these little chunks of yardage and forcing them to – to adjust the way that they play. And then eventually they start to take big shots downfield. And Lamar Jackson is much like Josh Allen in that there are certain plays where you can't do nothing about it. You just show up and you're like, all right. It's like you go to a basketball game, like, yeah, LeBron's going to get 30 at least if he wants 30. You have to accept that there's some Lamar tax. Like, he's just going to make a play here or there. If he can also consistently hit those big plays, and the touchdown he threw to Likely uh, is a perfect example of how, like, he deserves the MVP <laughs> it's because you don't get, and I guess this is a bad example because it is him getting a touchdown stat, but you don't get the evidence of him doing this sweep in the middle safety screams from the middle of the field to the flat faster than anything I've ever seen as if he thought the end zone was on fire. And then likely he's back there all by himself. And that's like Lamar. All he did was take four steps to the right. And to have that ability to impact the defense that way, and then for fourth and one to have the bootleg where it's like, yeah, there's a guy out there, but so what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. And yeah, he just, matter. yeah, he he did everything in the course of this game, and the numbers weren't like astronomical. They four were impressive. touchdowns. Yeah, four touchdowns, but it was like a uh, hundred yards rushing. Uh, like what do you have? Like two something passing. Uh, it wasn't like mind blowing, but in the course of that game, it's very much like, damn, this dude is special. Yeah, the Texans were not tripling their blitz rate because they were worried about Zay Flowers. That's no disrespect to Zay Flowers. They they tripled their blitz rate because everything about their game plan had to be about trying to find a solution to stop Lamar. And then everything about Lamar and what he was able to do was a product of how he changed the way they played defense. So you're absolutely right. I mean, they called that, that quarterback sweep, they called that, I think, a couple series earlier. So they set him up and Lamar had the opportunity to hit Isaiah Likely for a touchdown. They called... I think he had the, a fourth and one conversion and the, the second rushing touchdown were the same play. Um, like they, the the first touchdown was a lead draw. Same play the, the Eagles ran to beat the uh, beat the Bills, right? Earlier this year yeah. where it was the center pulling and uh, center, center breaking out. It was an RPO. And, you know, I, I, like, yes, you can call that stuff. Yes, it sounds great on paper. But Lamar's ability to execute that and influence everything about how a team plays defense is... Like he's the system. Like yeah. we can talk about, right. 
you know, like, 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 you know, how he fits into the offense, how they, they build around him. Like he is the thing that makes all of this work. And that's not new, but I think people really got to see it for themselves in this game because it really changed the way this game went after halftime. And even when the plays aren't well blocked, like the design runs, you'll see him turn. It's not always a big, like, and it, he, it doesn't seem like he's trying to make game-breaking plays with his legs, but you'll see him take a play that should be two yards and get seven or eight. And mm -hmm. I think that is all really – and then still not take a big hit. Yes. Um, before we get off of this team, I do want to point out that Kyle Hamilton is amazing, <laughs> and he is not uh, necessarily as good as Lamar Jackson is on defense, on offense, but he's pretty damn close. Like, it, it, what he's able to do – it reminds me of Debo Samuel, I think might be a better example, is Kyle Hamilton is so flexible that he does not allow teams to put the Ravens in bad personnel groupings. And that's like part of offense is like, all right, we're going to find a mismatch or we're going to put our unique personnel out here and see how you answer it. Like we saw the um, Cowboys struggle with stopping the run in part because they can't be a nickel and also be big. But mm -hmm. the Ravens come out there and – Kyle Hamilton will play strong safety on some plays, and then they'll go to like a big nickel package where Kyle Hamilton is the nickel, but the opponent is in base. So go ahead and throw it against a base that has an extra DB. Okay, you think that you're going to run it against this 6'5 behemoth? No, he's going to blow up the run too. And so while he didn't wasn't able to hold on to that pick, and I'm not sure how great his stats were. Like watching him move around the field and impact this game and take things away and take away advantages that the opponent have, like showed me that that flexibility is uh, as much as people say like safeties aren't valuable or inside linebackers aren't valuable. Like the right one doing the right thing, I think really improves this uh, or really can have an impact on the team. What's that? What's that? That meme? All these people out here saying Steph Curry can't shoot. Kyle Hamilton has like was a first team all pro. Safeties absolutely matter, especially if you have good ones. And I think you're absolutely correct. Like that this was a this was a Kyle Hamilton showcase game for how how he impacted the game for the Ravens. Even if he didn't have an interception, like just fundamentally changed the game. Also saw just like adjustments from their um, linebackers in secondary play. Once they caught a big dig, I saw the next time they were in that formation, Patrick Queen completely disregarded his cover three zone drop and ran to cover the dig and then took it away. And I saw like their flat defenders. We saw last week against the Browns. They're hitting a bunch of those deep overs and like uh, fake speedo routes back to the corners. And so the Ravens outside flat players are getting so much depth and my college teammate, Denar Wilson, is the DB coach there. And hell of a coach, Terp. obviously. Yeah, he's a Terp. Hell of a coach. DeMatha product, hell of a coach. Because I'm watching these guys, and it's just the discipline. And I don't want to take anything away from the intelligence of players, but just such a disciplined unit, making the right decisions and reading their keys. It's hard to do even in NFL, and they did it all game long. We should have done this and they were doing the show. It. This is excellent. I thought so. I promised you. They were doing it without Marlon Humphrey, too, who's their best cornerback. Oh, impressive. Good mm -hmm. team. Well coached, well played. Good Love team. Ar Ar Arthur Mallette, three pass rushes, three pressures, blew up three plays. It's incredible how many dudes there are on this roster where like they're on for like 15 snaps and they do something in the 15 snaps to help the Ravens win games. All right. Am I going to this game? You Are you brave enough to go to a game where Patrick Mahomes is going to go in to the stadium of your favorite team? They're not mm. my favorite team. I went last who's time your, they were there. Who's your favorite team? I don't have a favorite team. 
Come on. You were supposed to say your favorite team is Charlie Kravitz and Bill Barnwell on the Dominique Foxworth yeah, show. That's obviously my favorite team. Don't forget the producers. They're my favorite team. And Podville, what a team. Home field advantage. Can't lose here. We never lost here. Mm. Might have had a couple bad shows here. Early on, we had a couple losses here. But we ain't lose here in a long time. In Not half. in a long time. We're on a winning streak, baby. Well, anyway, thank you, Bill Barnwell, my favorite teammate, for joining me. Charlie Kravitz, thank you, my favorite teammate, for joining me here. And, of course, thank you to all my other favorite teammates in the back of the building. Kevin, Cortez, Brian, Serafina, Megan, and Podville. And we out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.